That's awesome. I love hearing the words of Scripture on the lips of some of our youngest people here at this church. What a beautiful sight, a beautiful thing for us to witness and participate in. Uh, we're going to dismiss our kids in just a moment, but before, before we do, I do want to let you know that we are continuing our series on Advent uh, today, and so we are going to be talking about what it means to celebrate the coming of Jesus, and Mike has done an excellent job of preparing our hearts for communion and preparing us for this message today. Uh, and as we prepare for the coming of Jesus, as we celebrate this time of year, it's important for us to remember that what was true then is still true now. That when Jesus came those thousands year, uh, 2,000 years ago, uh, what we needed then, we still need now, which means that we still need Jesus to come in our lives. And so I love the idea that uh, the, the three advents, the, the continuing coming of Jesus into this world, into our hearts, uh, and again into this world, because this world needs all the Jesus it can get, I think. And so we are going to uh, be continuing our series on Advent and continuing to talk about that. And today especially, I want us to be especially sensitive to the idea uh, that this world is broken, uh, that this world needs Jesus, that this world needs healing. And so I want to start by reading a text message that I got earlier today from Debbie Crabb. Uh, as many of you know, the Crabs have been going through a pretty tough time uh, these past couple of weeks. Uh, Jason and Kylie White, uh, Tom and Debbie's daughter and son-in-law, uh, lost one of their children uh, at 37 weeks uh, pregnant, uh, and uh, she was stillborn right before Thanksgiving. And Debbie sent this message, and she wanted me to share it uh, with, with the church today. In fact, she made sure that I was going to share this message because uh, before service started, I had three different people all come up to me and say, make sure you check your text message from Debbie Crabb because she wants it to be read during service today. So let me read this text from Debbie, uh, and she just wanted us to know uh, how much uh, she appreciates uh, this Skillman family covering her family in prayer. She says, uh, what I know has happened so far is that prayers, 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 calls, texts, cards, texts, emails, food, uh, all of these things have happened. Plus, she said, a group of girls came to my house yesterday and completely decorated the house for Christmas, and the mango class went to Kylie and Jason's and completely raked, cleaned, pulled weeds this morning in their yard. People sometimes don't know what to do in these times. The answer is always do. When you, we are so overwhelmed with love, and when you feel so much love, it lessens the, the pain. And she just wanted to say thank you to everyone in this church for all the ways that you support their family and that you have supported them. Uh, and so uh, continue to pray for the Crab family. Continue to lift them up as we uh, uh, seek to, uh, to love them well. At this time, I do want to invite all of our kids to come up onto the stage. Uh, if you are between the ages of two years old and second grade, come on up, because we're going to have a little bit of time for us to think about the Christmas story and think about Advent before we dismiss you guys to go to your time of worship. So we're going to do the same thing we did last week. If you guys want to come and sit down over here. Now, John Mark sat in this chair yesterday, or last week, and uh, it's pretty impressive that he trusted this chair. Uh, I'm going to do the same, and, and hopefully it'll work out for us. Uh, today. Look at all these kids. Come on, come on, keep coming. Come on, Caleb. Keep coming up here, guys. Merry Christmas, everybody. Are you guys excited for Christmas this year? Yeah. So, you guys know what Christmas is all about, right? Yeah. Yeah? What is it all about? What's Christmas all about? Jesus' birth. Jesus' birth. Thank you, London. That's excellent. So, at Christmas time, we celebrate the coming of Jesus and his birth. Now, uh, I know that we're all excited for presents, right? You're not? Not excited for presents. Okay, mom, dad, did you hear that? Not excited for presents over here. We can skip this year altogether. Uh, we don't need any. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, no presents this year. 
but uh, we, have, we have presents, we have family, right? We have time with family that we get to have at Christmas time. But of course, the reason that we celebrate Christmas is because of Jesus's birth. So can anybody tell me one thing that they remember from the story about Jesus's birth? What do you think? Go ahead, London. Yeah, Jesus was born for Mary. I don't think our microphone's on here, but that's okay. So London said that Jesus was born for Mary. That's right. Anybody else remember anything? Paolo? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You don't know? Okay. Well, that's okay. What else? Jesus, uh, cyber presents. Yeah, okay. So Jesus got presents, too, on Christmas, right, from the wise men? You guys remember that? Yeah. Jesus was born in a stable. He was born in a stable. Excellent. Jesus was born in a barn. Yeah, a stable or a barn. Excellent. Okay. So if Jesus was born all those many, many years ago, and he was born in a stable, and he was born in a barn, he got presents. What, did, what, what do you think Jesus was like when he was born, as he was growing up as a kid? Do you think he was like a, a pretty calm child? Do you think he was kind of goofy? Do you think he was uh, running around all over the place and his parents had to keep their eyes on him because he was always off uh, having adventures? What do you think, Jax? You think he was goofy? You think Jesus was goofy? Who all out here thinks Jesus, Jesus had some goofy moments as, as a kid? Anybody? About half. This half of the room thinks so. This half doesn't think so. Yeah, London thinks he was goofy too. Okay, one more question for you guys before we uh, let you guys go to your time of worship. Uh, when Jesus was a kid, do you think that he was patient or do you think that he had to learn patience? He learned, he learned patience. He learned patience. Yeah, you think so? Do you think his parents had to teach him how to be patient? Yeah. Yeah, what, what's, what's a good thing about being patient in your life? Um, I had to wait for shoes. Yeah, you have to wait for shoes. Yeah. Well, it's good to be patient because that means that you are listening to other people like your parents, right? And so Jesus, when he was a kid, he was probably patient. He learned patience from his parents. We're going to keep talking about what that meant for Jesus, to be patient and to be uh, uh, willing to wait. But at this time, we're going to let you guys go on to your time of worship with Miss Shalene, and y'all are going to keep getting to worship Jesus and getting to keep talking about the story of Jesus. And in here, we're going to talk about Jesus being patient and waiting and how he can teach us how to be patient and waiting, okay? So at this time, if you guys want to go with Miss Shalene and Mr. Chris, you guys are going to head on down and go to Children's Church. Well, I love getting to see our kids, and John Mark, and if you can't tell, John Mark and I have been trying to be intentional uh, at the start of this series with allowing our kids to participate in our worship service uh, because this story about Jesus is not just uh, for some of us, it is for all of us. And so at this time of year especially, uh, it is good to remember that the story of Jesus matters for even the youngest people in our church, and uh, we especially want to make sure that they know that they are part of this story and welcome uh, in, in this church. Uh, we are going to be talking about patience today, the patience, the idea of waiting for Jesus, uh, because when we celebrate Advent, uh, it's this multiple week, uh, that four weeks in a row that we are celebrating this story of Jesus, but it's not here yet, and so we've got to wait for it. We've got to be anticipating the coming of Jesus, and so today we're going to be talking about patience, uh, but more so than that, we're going to be talking about peace. 
Uh, this is our theme for today. The Advent theme for today is that of peace. And what does it mean for the peace of God to reign in this world and for it to come into this world the way, uh, the way that God has intended it and the way that God desires this creation to be his, uh, this creation that is fully built upon the peace of God. But peace uh, requires oftentimes patience because peace is not an easy thing to attain. Uh, in fact, if you look at uh, all of the history of the world, uh, you can often say that peace has been something that we have failed at time and time again. It's not hard to imagine uh, that all throughout history we have learned this lesson poorly and that we are still learning what it means to be a peaceful people. In fact, if we're going to talk about peace, I think we have to talk about patience because it doesn't, uh, it doesn't just happen automatically. We've got to be patient. We've got to wait for it. But this thing about waiting for peace isn't just this idle sitting back and sitting by and, and expecting it to just come about naturally. No, it's this kind of patience. It's this kind of waiting that requires our active participation. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on today. That's what we're going to be trying to, to focus on and lean into in our lives is this idea that we can actively participate in this patient waiting and expectation for the peace of God to come on earth as it is in heaven. Well, when you think about waiting and we think about patience, uh, you know, I asked our kids, do you think that that's something Jesus came by naturally or did he have to learn it? And they said they think he, they think he, has to, he had to learn it. And I know that in my life, I've had to learn patience. I know that uh, time and time again, there have been plenty of examples, plenty of reasons why I shouldn't be patient. And, and, I, and trust me, I have taken advantage of every single one of those. But I, I think uh, if my parents were in the room, which by the way, they are, <laughs> if my parents were in the room, I think that they would tell me that if I could just learn to practice patience, uh, that things would probably work out a little bit better for me than they have in the past. Uh, our culture is not a culture of patience. It's not a culture that appreciates waiting. We don't want to do that. We want things now. We want them immediately. Uh, and in fact, we, we have uh, done just about everything that I can think of uh, to accomplish this. Uh, recently, I've been seeing billboards for Amazon. And uh, if you have heard of Amazon, hopefully you have. They're kind of a big deal. Uh, uh, it'll make Christmas shopping so much easier, you guys. Trust me. Uh, but Amazon, uh, they have recently been advertising that they are now going to be doing one-day shipping. One day. That's all it takes. You order it, and the next day it arrives. Uh, which is uh, incredibly fast because a lot of the things that you order have to come from a different part of the world. Uh, and so they're stockpiling, they've got warehouses all over, and they're bringing things so that they can get it to your door one day after you order. Now, I was perfectly content with two-day shipping. Uh, in fact, I would be perfectly content with like uh, seven-day shipping. Uh, I'm not really in that much of a hurry usually to get the things that I order. Uh, but uh, our culture has said we need one-day shipping. Uh, we need things to be delivered one day after we order them. Not only that, uh, but as I was thinking about uh, getting ready for this sermon this week, I was thinking about, man, uh, we have all of these streaming services, and we can watch television, watch movies, and, and all these different things uh, instantly through uh, things like Netflix and uh, all, all these different streaming services, Disney Plus, that are out there. Uh, and I was even thinking about the Cowboys. And I know that Mark Prude is a huge Cowboys fan. So, Mark, I wanted to say, you don't even have to wait to watch the Cowboys lose. Uh, you can watch that whenever you want. You can just stream it instantly. Uh, he says, no, he's not going to. Okay, he didn't appreciate that one. Uh, but we, we are not a culture that appreciates waiting. We want things immediately, and we want them right away. But the season of Advent reminds us that there are some things worth waiting for. I think that's what Jesus reminds us during this time of year, is that there are some things worth waiting for. And I think the peace of God is one of those things. The peace of God is something that is certainly worth waiting for. 
When I think about the story of the Bible and the, and the people that are contained, uh, all of this history that's contained within this book that we call the Bible, uh, I think about all the times that the people of God had to wait. Uh, if you go back to the very, you know, towards the very beginning, you, you get the story of Abram and Sarai, and eventually their names change to Abraham and Sarah. Uh, and Abraham and Sarah, they have to wait because God promises them a child. And, and when God promises them this child, they're a little bit doubtful because they know that they're in a stage of life that uh, kids generally don't happen in this stage of life. But God promises, and they have to wait for that promise. They get a little impatient along the way, and they try to do it their own way, uh, and that works too. Uh, but God comes back and fulfills his promise at a time in life when it, it makes no sense to be patient and to wait for a child. And I think beyond that, I think about the story of the Exodus. Because just a couple of generations after Abraham and Sarah, the, uh, this family, this family that's growing into a nation, find themselves in the land of Egypt. And they're in Egypt for uh, about 400 years. And during the course of that time, uh, the Egyptians enslave the Israelites. And, and for 400 years, the Israelites are waiting. They're calling out to God. They're crying out to God, asking God to deliver them. And for 400 years, they ask God to show up. And for 400 years, they wait. And that's when God picks Moses, and God sends Moses back to the people, and, and, and he brings them out of slavery. God once again fulfills his promise. But it required 400 years of waiting, 400 years of calling out to God, asking God to show up and to deliver them. And then further on down in their history, I think about the time of the exile. Uh, after they're delivered from slavery, they, they go and they go into the promised land. Uh, they become a nation, and for hundreds of years, they have king after king after king. And they have their own land. They have their own nation. But eventually, uh, a threat, uh, several threats come, and they carry this people off into exile. And they no longer are their own people. And while they're in exile, they are once again calling out to God, asking God to show up and begging God to allow them to return back to their homeland. And God, once again, delivers on his promise. He brings them back to their homeland. But it required this idea of waiting and patience. And so today, as we talk about the peace of God, I think it is essential for us to have in mind the idea of patience and waiting. Now, London already read it once for us, and he did an excellent job. Thank you, Dallas, for allowing London to do that. But I'd like for us to read this passage again, uh, because I think this passage in Isaiah is incredibly powerful. If you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and turn over to Isaiah chapter 11 with us again. If you don't, it's found on page 1076 in the Bibles that uh, is right in front of you in the pew. And we're going to read this passage together. Just to give you a little bit of context, uh, the prophet Isaiah uh, is one of the earliest prophets uh, that come to the people once they, uh, uh, in fact, Isaiah comes to the people uh, of Israel and the people of Judah before they are taken into exiles, when he begins prophesying and begins his ministry. And a lot of Isaiah's ministry is meant to be a warning to the people, uh, to give them a heads up that, hey, you need to uh, pay attention to God. Because if you don't pay attention to God, if you don't follow God, then these other nations are going to come in, and they're going to uh, kick you out of your land. Uh, but God wants you to turn back to him. He wants you to pay attention to him. And so over and over again, Isaiah uh, is trying to get the people to turn back to God, to listen to God, to, to be the people of God. And so uh, in this chapter, uh, chapter 11, uh, this is towards the beginning of Isaiah's ministry. And at this time, uh, perhaps the Assyrians, uh, this foreign nation, are coming towards Israel. Uh, they're, they're traveling towards Israel. Perhaps they're even at the gates, uh, ready to attack Israel. And Isaiah gives this prophecy to the people, trying to get them to see what the peace of God will be like one day. And so Isaiah, uh, he envisions this, this possible future, and he does it when the enemies are standing at the gates. 
Uh, he does it when there's an imminent threat and there's imminent danger for the people. And that's when he says these words, envisioning this peaceful future that God desires for his world. Starting in chapter 11, verse 1. It says, A shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse. A branch will sprout from his roots. The Lord's spirit will rest upon him in a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of planning and strength, a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. He will delight in fearing the Lord. He won't judge by appearances nor decide by hearsay. He will judge the needy with righteousness and decide with equity for those who suffer in the land. He will strike the violent with the rod of his mouth and by the breath of his lips he will kill the wicked. Righteousness will be the belt around his hips and faithfulness the belt around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion will feed together, and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze, their young will lie down together, and a lion will eat straw like an ox. A nursing child will play over the snake's hole. Toddlers will reach right over the serpent's den. They won't harm or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain. The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just as the water covers the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations will seek him out, and his dwelling will be glorious. So this is a beautiful passage. This is a passage where Isaiah envisions this possible future where uh, even things like predator and prey are living together in peaceful harmony. But remember, Isaiah is giving this prophecy uh, while the Assyrians, the threat of the Assyrians is looming large in the people. Uh, in the people's mind. They can see the Assyrian threat. And Isaiah says, if you trust in God, what God will do is he will bring about this peace, this peaceful future that you have no idea how good it can really be. Isaiah gives this to a people who are in most need of hearing a message of hope. And in this time, he says, not you'll be delivered from your enemies, but he says that God's future is coming. This future where God's peace will reign on earth is coming. And so the people wait for it. Now the threat of the Assyrians is real. And, and, and unfortunately for the, the people of Israel, they are taken into exile. And then a couple hundred years later, the people of Judah are also taken into exile. And during all of this time, we wonder if Isaiah's vision of this possible future could possibly be true. Now Isaiah doesn't know it at the time. He has no idea, but when he says these words, when he prophesies, when he sees this vision of what God is doing in the world, Isaiah is picturing Jesus. He's picturing the coming of, of the one who will help to bring the peace on earth that we all desperately need and seek. Isaiah has no clue about who Jesus is or when Jesus will come, and yet as we look back on this passage, we can see the, the hints, the clues, a stump, the people of Israel who are cut down. But a shoot will grow up from that stump. The roots uh, that, that go down all the way to Jesse, this king, uh, this future King David will come. And we see that Isaiah, even though he doesn't know it, he's talking about Jesus. And Isaiah has no clue either. But when he talks about Jesus, he's talking about a future that the people that he's prophesying to won't see in their day. He's talking about a future that they won't get to experience or encounter. Instead, the Assyrians are right outside the gates. They're going to experience danger and threat. But Isaiah says, in God's future, there's peace. This peace where the predator and the prey will lie down together, where they will eat straw together. They'll no longer be enemies, but instead they will live in harmony. Isaiah doesn't know it, but it'll be probably about 740 years 
before Jesus is born, before this root that comes from Jesse's family will come. It'll be about 740 years that the people are left waiting. And, and beyond that, that's just from the time that Jesus will be born. From the time that it, uh, until Jesus uh, will live his life, uh, minister to the people, uh, give his life, and be raised again, it'll be about 770 years. And from the time that the church is born and that Paul uh, finishes his ministry, uh, it'll be about 790 to 800 years. And if we want to, we could say, from the time that Isaiah gave this prophecy until today, it's been about 2,740 years. And we're still waiting for the peace of God to come fully. We're still waiting for what Isaiah saw to come true. Now, of course, we know that it has already begun in the person of Jesus. Uh, that what Jesus began through his life, his death, and his resurrection uh, has, has begun to bring the peaceful kingdom that God desires in this world. And yet, we're still waiting. We're still waiting for the peace of God to come. Which leads me to ask the question, what exactly are we waiting for? I told you that we're not very comfortable with waiting in our society. We're not a people who have been trained to wait and to be patient well. We have a lot of work to do in this area. But the thing that I will say about this kind of waiting, this kind of patience that, that we need to display is the kind of patience that doesn't just sit by and wait idly. It's the kind of patience, it's the kind of waiting that's active and that helps to bring the peace of God each and every day a little bit closer. When we talk about being the people of God, the people of God who help to bring the peace of God to this world, what we're really talking about is being the kind of people that Jesus helped to form and create in the world. Being the kind of people that, that take this calling to be like Jesus so seriously that in our everyday lives, in the mundane tasks that we go through every single day, that we are helping to bring the peace of God to this earth. Jesus encouraged us. He, he taught us how to pray about this. He said that we should pray for God's will to be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. And so when we talk about patience and waiting for the peace of God, we must wait actively. We must be patient actively. We must be the kind of people who help to bring the peace of God into everyday situations. I remember back a couple of years ago, I was interning for a ministry in Denver, Colorado, and while I was there, uh, I was driving to a, a work event, and I got into a little bit of a fender bender accident. And uh, as I'm sitting there, uh, this was the very first accident I'd ever gotten into. I was, a, uh, I think I was a freshman in college at the time. Uh, I was just mortified about what I had done. And I look ahead at the car, and I see the driver get out, and it's a young lady. And even worse, I see out of the passenger seat the young lady's father clamber out of the car. And let me tell you, in that moment, I needed the, pay, the, the peace of God to come. Because that father was not happy with me. I needed the peace of God. And what this story of Advent reminds us is that we can help bring the peace of God into those situations. That we encounter somebody, when we encounter somebody who's maybe not so happy with us, that our goal is not to be defensive, but instead to help bring the peace of God to that person. And beyond silly little examples like this, we can think of examples from all over our lives. We can think about uh, times 
when the year is coming to an end like this, and there's so much to do. The family is coming in just a couple of weeks. We've got to get the house ready. We've got to get the shopping done. We can help to bring the peace of God into that situation. The peace of God that says that even though this is a stressful season, that God's peace is coming in Jesus, and that Jesus has invited us to help bring that peace a little bit closer day by day. And perhaps in your job, you're facing deadlines as they're coming up, uh, as December comes up, and in your job, when this stress comes upon you, remember that you can help bring the peace of God to those deadlines. And not only that, but when you hear all over the news, rumors, rumors of war, uh, discontent, all these different things that go on in our world, you can help by bringing the peace of God a little bit closer day after day. When people are discriminated against and even killed for no reason other than the color of their skin or uh, the gender that they have or because they happen to carry an extra chromosome or, or have a, a certain mental illness, you can help bring the peace of God by acknowledging their humanity and reminding them that they are loved. For a thousand other reasons that we could say, d- depression, anxiety, pain, chronic illness, a thousand reasons, we can help bring the peace of God to the people who need to hear about what Jesus has begun in our world. That Jesus has begun to bring this peaceable kingdom that God had Isaiah envision 740 years before Jesus was born. It's our task. It's our role as the people of God who patiently are expecting the coming of Jesus to bring the peace of God to this world. So my question, church, is what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for the peace of God? And if so, how are you helping to bring it to this world 